Good morning, everybody. All right. I want to greet those of you who are watching in our campuses today in New Milford and Derby and Waterbury. And of course, for you who are on our online campus, uh, welcome to you as well. If you are new here in the building or in one of our campuses or online today, my name is Brian and I am one of the lead pastors here at Walnut Hill. And it is just a joy and a privilege again to be able to share God's word with you today. We have been in a sermon series called Jesus Says. You might remember that we've been in a year where we've been really focusing on the theme of Jesus, which by the way, we're never gonna give up on, okay? Like, we're not gonna give up on that, but we're really focusing in on who Jesus is and now in this series, what Jesus has said, what he's calling us to. Um, He is our teacher, he's our guide, he's our shepherd, he is our leader, so we want to know what he has said and we want to apply that to our life. And so we're praying that this year would be a year where we go deeper in our relationship with Jesus than we've ever gone before. Is that happening for anybody? I hope so. I hope so. I'm praying that for you. I'm praying that for myself, that we would go deeper in our relationship with Jesus than we've ever gone before. Today, uh, my sermon is entitled, Surrender All. So the exits are here, here, here. (laughs) And here, if you ever need them. Uh, I love Jesus' words because he challenges us to great things. Um, He loves us. He knows what's best for us. And he desires that we would surrender all to him. I'm just going to give you the ending of this message. This is going to be a call to to lay everything on the altar. Uh, Lord, we, we want to completely give you all of our life. Lord, we we want to give it all to you, that we might live a full life following you. That's that's our hope. That's my desire today, that even as I'm speaking, the Lord might lay some things on your heart and mind that you need to lay on the altar. Give back to him. One of my favorite hymns is a hymn called, I Surrender All. It was written by a man named Judson Vander. Wait, let me get this right. Van de Venter, <laughs> Judson Van de Venter. It's written in 1896. Do you know that hymn, I Surrender All? Do you know that song? It goes, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. All right, New Milford, we're not hearing you enough. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Go home and listen to the verses of that song, too. Be a completely different song, right? If we said, all to me, I, (laughs) right? Uh, But maybe we're living in that world. Maybe we're living in that world. All to me, all to me. That's not the way that Christ followers are called to live. It's all to thee, all to thee, I surrender. All to thee. I love this hymn, and there's always these stories behind these Hymns, and for Judson, he came to this pivotal moment in his life where he penned these words in 1896, I surrender all. But his story is one of really holding on to his passions and desires and then finally releasing them. 
See, Judson was a art teacher in Pennsylvania, and he had this passion and this pursuit to, to do this work. Several of his friends told him, though, you know what, you have an, a, gift, a gift of evangelism, of sharing your faith uh, with others. You know, you should really do that full time. Look at the fruit that's being produced from it. Well, it took five years for Judson to really believe them. And finally, the Lord called him to surrender all, to lay down everything that he could pursue this call and this gift that God had given him. And so Judson stepped out and he went all over the place. He was in the U.S., all across the United States, in England, in Scotland, and many people gave their life to Jesus because of Judson. He moved into hymn writing. There are about 60 of his hymns found in our modern day hymnals. The most popular, of course, is I Surrender All. Later on in his ministry, he would spend a lot of time mentoring other ministers. And I wanted to read uh, some words from one of his mentees. His mentee says this, one of the evangelists who influenced my early preaching was also a hymnist who wrote I Surrender All the Reverend J.W. Vandeventer. He was a regular visitor at the Florida Bible Institute in the late 1930s. We students loved this kind, deeply spiritual gentleman and often gathered in his winter home in Tampa, Florida for, uh, for an evening of fellowship and singing. Do you wanna know who that mentee was? Billy Graham. <laughs> Amazing what God can do when you surrender all when you give it all to him when you say lord it's it's all yours lord i actually want your will to be done in my life not my will this is the christ-like way here's what i want to do today is i want to talk to you about surrendering all and jesus has some very specific words for us in matthew's gospel you can turn there now matthew chapter 10 verses 38 and 39 i'm going to read them for you in just a moment what I want to share is four words from this passage that really teach us about surrendering all to Jesus, and by surrendering all, how we'll actually find life. Let me read the passage for you, Matthew 10, verse 38, 39. This is where we're going to be camped out uh, the whole time here today. Jesus says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. I want to share four words from this text, uh, really four words of instruction from Jesus on the call to, in our lives on how to live. But let me give you context to this first. It's important to know the context in which Jesus is speaking here in chapter 10. What Jesus is doing is that he's about to send his 12 disciples to go out. He's about to send them. Later on, he's going to send 72 out. But he's sending them out to go and do his ministry. Uh, he's, going, he's sending them out so that they can go and preach the good news, that they can heal the sick. He's not, going, he's not sending them out just to knock on doors and pass out flyers on his behalf. No, he's sending them into the thick of ministry. He's sending them in to go and do the things that he does himself. Listen to their mission, an unbelievable mission. By the way, it's our mission as disciples as well. In chapter 10, verse seven and eight, Jesus says, as you go, this is what you're to do. Proclaim this message. 
The kingdom of heaven has come near. Praise God. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. They were being sent out to do the work of Jesus. And they were being sent out to anoint anoint others to do the same. Go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. Go and anoint folks to go and bring the kingdom of heaven. Now, why is this so important in this context? Here's why it's so important. It's so important because this great of a mission would necessitate his disciples surrendering all. Jesus was not looking for his disciples to go out half-hearted. He wasn't looking for his disciples to go out with one foot in. He was looking for his disciples to go out all in for Jesus. Listen, I need you to go all in, all in. I've told you before that one of my daughters, my youngest, Bria, likes hockey. And um, I played hockey as well. I did not impose this on her. I was actually not wanting them to play because it's quite expensive, right? Uh, but, but she loves it, loves it. Now, sometimes I take Bria to free skate, and other times I take her to a game. Now, these are two very different things. When I take her to free skate and I'm skating with her, all she needs are her skates. Sometimes she wears her hockey gloves, and I put a helmet on her. But that's all she needs. Now, when she's going into a game, I put more equipment on that kid than you could ever imagine, right? More than you could ever ask or imagine, right? That's how much equipment I put on her. Why? Because what she's about to go into, it's going to require that level of equipment. So here's what Jesus is saying is, listen, as you go out into this world, as you go out to spread my good news, my kingdom, as you go out healing the sick, as you go out and doing my work, you need to be fully prepared, fully equipped for what you're about to face. And you can't jump into it half-hearted. You gotta be all in. Follow me with your whole heart. And so this is the context in which these four words that I want to share with you come uh, of Jesus' instructions and teaching to us. Here they are, the first word. The first word is this instruction to take. Whoever does not take up their cross. The first instruction from Jesus in this passage is that we would take up our cross. Uh, Each of us is called to an intentional taking up of our cross. This brings me to two questions, and and maybe many more, but let's focus on two. If Jesus is calling us to take up our cross, then what is our cross, and how do we take it up? What is our cross? Maybe you've wondered that in the past. I know, Jesus, he's called us to take up our cross. Am I literally to go and find a cross and and carry the cross around? What is Jesus talking about here? I want to shed some light on this. I want to give... a revelation I feel the Lord has, has given me on this. So let's start with that question. What is the cross that we're to take up? What did Jesus mean when he told his disciples this? I think the only way that we can understand this instruction, this call to take up our cross, is by focusing and reflecting on Jesus taking up his own cross. The disciples were about to watch Jesus take up his cross. And I think there's a pinnacle moment when we really see Jesus taking up his cross. And actually, for me, it comes before he takes up the physical cross. It comes in a garden. 
when Jesus is there and he's, he knows he's going to his death and he says to his father, man, if, if this cup can pass, Lord, man, that, that'd be great. Yet, your will be done. Your will be done, not mine. I think this was Jesus modeling for us what it means to take up our cross. What it means to take up our cross is not necessarily a physical cross, although many of the disciples would also take up their physical cross and be put to death in that way. But I think what it means to take up our cross is to say, my allegiance is with Jesus Christ. No matter what, I'm with you, Jesus. And this is what Jesus did in the garden. And actually, Jesus took up his cross many times before he ever took up the physical cross. As you see Jesus in the wilderness being brought in and tempted by the evil one, he took up his cross. He says, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna buy this temptation. I'm sticking with my heavenly father. My allegiance is there. Every time that Jesus went to a solitary place and he, and, he, and he prayed and he sought the will of the Father, he was picking up his cross. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Every time we see Jesus lean in in that way and model for us what it looks like to have allegiance to our Lord, this was Jesus taking up his cross. And then, of course, in, in the most dramatic in visual way, he literally takes up his cross and he dies for our sins. You know, the cross is a place where things are put to death. When the disciples heard this, they would have known that. That's what the purpose of a cross was. It's not to hang in your home. It's not to hang around your, your, your neck at this point at all. The cross was where things were put to death. And so when Jesus says, pick up your cross, you know, we might be uncomfortable with this, friends, but what Jesus is saying is he's saying, put to death your old life. You've got a new one. And your new one is following me. Put the old life to death. Take up your cross in everything that you do. In every place that you find yourself, take up your cross. Your allegiance is now to Jesus Christ. Your allegiance is not to your work first. Your allegiance is not to your political party first. Your allegiance is not even to your kids first. I'm saying that as a parent. Your allegiance is to Jesus Christ. You have a new life in him. So how do we take up this cross? How do we take up this cross? Two words I'll share with you, daily and intentionally. In, in um, Luke's gospel, as this same uh, passage is being recorded, the same story, this is what Jesus says in Luke 9. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. This is a, a daily surrendering to Jesus. You have a day of salvation where you've given your life to Jesus and you can be assured in, in your, your place with him that you are a child of God, but we still need to daily surrender to him, daily commit to following him. You know, our allegiance can spread very easily. Our allegiance can spread very easily. 
Things in this world can, can pull us, and now also now our allegiance can be here, and also with you, Jesus, but also now here too, and, but Jesus, yes, of course, you still get some of my allegiance. But actually, the call is to take up your cross, to surrender to him daily, to say early in the morning, Jesus, you're number one again. <laughs> you're number one again in my life. Lead me, speak to me. Guide me, Jesus. And friends, what we're going to learn is that this is actually the greatest life. It's the best life. How do we take up our cross daily, but also intentionally? We have to learn to walk with Jesus on purpose. Put rhythms into your lives that help you remain in him, help you abide in him. Taking up your cross isn't just going to happen by accident. It happens with intentionality. I'm going to meet you, Lord, in creation as I walk through creation. I'm going to meet you, Lord, as I open your word and study it and you, it just comes alive within me. I'm going to meet you, Lord, by obeying that, that call you've placed on my life. These intentional ways to follow Jesus. This is how we take up our cross daily. Let me share the second word. Jesus goes on, he says, whoever does not take up their cross and, here's the second word, follow me. The second instruction from Jesus that will lead us into a full life is to follow him. Follow him. Do as he says. Live as he has lived. Act as he acted. Follow as he followed his heavenly father. Even if it doesn't make sense, even when it wasn't your plan, our commitment is to follow Jesus. Now, I'm going to talk a lot more about this next week. And so I want you to come back next week. I'm going to be preaching out of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 9. I would love for you to even go home and read that. It's, about, it's the calling of Matthew. And we're going to talk about what it means to follow. But let me just say one thing about this as a prelude to next week. I think the word follow has lost its meaning in our culture today. We so often say, I follow this person. On social media, we say that all the time. Oh, who are you following? Well, I follow some people. I follow Bono. I follow Connor McGregor. Uh, not Connor McGregor, Connor McDavid. It's a different one, he's a hockey player. I don't care about Connor McGregor, he's the, he's the fighter. Anyway, I follow. Maverick City Music, I follow all these things. But for me to follow them on social media just means that I get access to whatever they choose to share with me. I don't know these people. They don't know me. They don't care about me. I, I, I'm not in any sort of relationship whatsoever. It's, it's a completely diluted thing. And I would hate for our culture to steal this word, follow. Because Jesus calls us to follow, a real following. To follow means to, to walk with, on a daily basis, to, to walk with. The rabbis would call their disciples to follow them so closely that they would actually catch the dust on their clothing because of the rabbi's shoes, like 
kicking up the dust. I want you to be so close to me that you actually get dust on you because of my sandals that are kicking up that dust. I, I want you to be right next to me, walking with me, learning from me. I want you to be so close that you can hear me speak and hear me speak directly to you. This is the kind of following that Jesus is talking about. Take up your cross and follow. Be so close to me. Walk with me in every aspect of your life. This is what we're gonna talk more about next week, but let me share the third word with you. The third word of instruction is lose. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Jesus is calling us to be losers. (laughs) He instructs his disciples to lose their life. This is not a misplacing of your life, like, oh, where'd my life go? (laughs) That's not it. It's a call to intentionally sacrifice your own way for the way of Jesus. It's a making room. It's a creating a blank slate for Jesus to write a new chapter in your life. It's a lose the ego. It's a lose the pride. It's a lose the unordained work. It's a lose the need to be glorified. It's a lose the desire for first place here on this earth. It's a lose who you think you are and adopt who the Lord knows you are. It's a a lose these things so that you can gain. One of my daughters has teeth like me. They're they're teeth of of steel, okay? (laughs) Like, Like... Granite. It, it was like a six-hour procedure to get my wisdom teeth out. Okay, it, they're like granite. Now, now, the thing about one of my daughters here, I'm not going to share, and don't go looking, okay? It'll just be creepy, okay? So, uh, <laughs> one of my daughters has these granite teeth, so it's taking her a long time to lose them all, right? And, but she's also at the age where she's like, I kind of want to lose them all. Like, I want the new ones. So, we found her, like, in the bathroom, like, pulling out her teeth so that she can have the new ones, right? And that's what you want, right? You don't want the baby teeth your whole life, but you also know that if you keep those baby teeth in there, the new ones won't merge, emerge. Well, what Jesus is trying to say is, listen, as long as you try to hold on to those, to those old things, those old teeth, the new teeth aren't gonna come through. You gotta lose them in order to gain this new life. This is what he wants for us. This isn't a loss-lose. This is a gain-lose for us. You get that? That actually you can lose things and it's not a loss. (laughs) You can lose things and it's for your gain. I wonder if one of the reasons the Lord had the Israelites wander for 40 years in the desert was actually to lose their old teeth, (laughs) to get Egypt out of them to give them new stories, to help them carry a new life into the promised land. Now, I'm sure there's lots of reasons they wandered. I wonder if that's one of them. I believe the Lord wants us all to experience the the, the truth that we are a new creation. But to step into that, we have to lose the old life. The final word is the word find. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. This passage is really about finding. That's what this passage is really about. It's about finding. It's about finding a life in Christ Jesus. It's about finding a life that has great impact and use 
for the kingdom of God. This passage is about finding what God has for you. This is where the emphasis is. This is where the spotlight is shining. Jesus wants us to find our life. Remember, the context is Jesus sending out the 12 to minister in his name. Really what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, listen, if if you go out seeking your own reward, if you go out seeking your own fame, if you go out seeking your own objectives, your own ways, well then guess what? This is what your reward will be. At best, you'll have worldly success. At best, you'll accomplish those things. You'll become famous. You'll get your way. Fantastic. At most, that's what your reward will be. Big deal. All that stuff fades away. But what Jesus is saying is if you really want to have a life of impact, if you really want to have a life of of use, if you really want to have a life that's walking in step with me, then here's what you need to do. You need to go out surrendered to me. Go out in my name. You need to go out doing my work. And now what, what you're going to inherit, what this is going to equal, what your reward is going to be, is the things of God among you. Eternal things that have eternal value. Blessings that you'll never see happen on your own without the power of the Spirit of God. You choose what's the better life. (laughs) Listen, I'll lose the idea of fame. I'll lose the the idea of, of just getting my way. I'll lose that in an instant. If I knew by surrendering to Jesus, I get to see the things of God come among us, I'll lose all that other stuff in an instant. All of a sudden now surrendering all becomes the greatest joy because we get to see God move in and through our life. If you want to find life, say yes to Jesus, no matter what. I have a friend, I'll call him John, it's not his his name, but I remember about 12 years ago, uh, our previous senior pastor, Pastor Clive, and I and several of our pastors would go to this restaurant on a Friday morning. We called it Answers Over Easy. And uh, we told anybody who wanted to come, to come and we'd buy their breakfast and they could bring any of their questions about theology, faith, the Lord, and, uh, and they could ask us and we'd have conversation about it. And I remember we, we did this for many years and many different people came out with all kinds of different questions and we had a lot of fun with it. There's this one guy, John, who, who came out and, and um, he was having a real hard time giving his life to the Lord. I think he would even say, you know what, there's, there's a lot to what you're saying, but I can't release control. And I remember Pastor Clive saying to this, this man, John, hey, you know, if, if you were to picture your faith like a car and you were at the driver's seat and you were holding the steering wheel, would you be holding it right now with both hands or maybe with just one finger? Uh, are you in complete control? Are you willing to kind of let the Lord take control? And John said, oh no, I've got both hands on that steering wheel <laughs> and I'm directing where this thing is going. John came back for months, maybe even years and he'd come back and ask more questions and we'd always ask him, hey, what's that steering wheel look like? And month after month he'd say, well, it's kind of looking like this, you know? <laughs> I, got, I got one finger off and then next month he'd say, you know what, I've, I've kind of got it like this and, and finally he's like, I've got, I still got one hand on there, you know, but, but I'm, I'm getting somewhere, you know, I'm, 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 I'm starting to believe that I can trust the Lord. And finally he came, he's like, you know what, I got one finger on there. 
And I remember Pastor Clive saying, you know what, you might as well have them all on there. Listen, I'm so glad that you're here, but you might as well have them all on there. And here's what we want you to do. We want you to pray about whether you're gonna release everything to, to Jesus. And we want you to come on a Sunday morning and, and if, if you really wanna give your life to Jesus, like the whole thing, we want you to come right up front and ask one of our prayer servants to pray for you. We want you to surrender your life to Jesus. It's gonna be the greatest decision of your life. I remember that next Sunday, he came right down this aisle and surrendered his life to Jesus. He said, I'm releasing the wheel. And he's been on the greatest adventure of his life following Jesus. Here's what I wanna leave you with. I believe that this could be our Abraham moment. In Genesis chapter 22, there's a story of, of Abraham, and the story of Abraham is one where he and his wife Sarah prayed diligently, passionately for a child. And finally, the Lord gave them a child. His name was Isaac. Now, you have to imagine this child was cherished by them. They had prayed a, a long time for this child. Well, in Genesis chapter 22, the story goes, God calls Abraham to take his son Isaac and to sacrifice him on the altar. At this point, we know that Isaac, is, he's not an infant, he's, he's older. We know this because in the passage, it tells us that Isaac carried the wood and the knife. So he knew what was happening here at some level. And Abraham's walking, finally the Lord identifies the mountain that he's to go up. And Isaac and Abraham have this dialogue. And Isaac asks his father, listen, the fire and wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answers in this way, I love this. He says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. I love that statement because to me in it, I see Abraham's obedience, but I also see his trust in God. He hadn't given up on the character of God or the plan of God or the purposes of God. Uh, he knew that God was gonna provide. And so he was obeying in, in the most dramatic sense the thing he most cherished, he was willing to give up. And then a Lord sent an angel to speak to Abraham, saying this. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son. You have not withheld from me your son. I believe what God was teaching Abraham was this. Everything is better off in my hands. Abraham, everything is better off in my hands. Everything. Even the thing you cherish the most, it's better off in my hands. You can trust me with everything. You can count on me with everything. I would imagine that Abraham left that moment believing that. Man, I'm gonna obey the Lord. He, there was amazing obedience in that story, but I bet he left going, man, now I know that I know that I know that I can trust the Lord with everything, even the thing that I cherish the most. Friends, I wonder, what do you need to offer to the Lord today? Here's the truth. When you offer it to him, when you entrust him with it, it's not a loss, it's a gain. When you dedicate your kids to the Lord, it's not a loss, 
it's a gain. When you dedicate your work to the Lord, when you surrender it all to him, it's not a loss, it's a gain. When you commit those plans that you have to the Lord, and you allow him in to speak to them and maybe alter them and change them or maybe scrap them and give you new plans, it's not for your loss, it's for your gain. When you drop your view of yourself and you finally say, I want to surrender to God what you believe about me, it's not for your loss. It's for your gain. A surrender all is not a losing game. A surrender all leads to our victory. So what do you need to surrender today, friends? I want to leave that with you. Maybe today you need to to surrender your marriage to the Lord. Say, Lord, listen, I need you in this. Maybe you need to surrender uh, the direction you're heading in. Maybe you need to, to surrender an addiction that you've been facing Maybe you need to surrender a relationship that been, you've been struggling with. Maybe you just need to surrender your life and say, Lord, my time. Maybe it's your finances that you're, you're holding on to tightly. It's, it's your comfort zone. As long as I have this, I'm comfortable. Maybe it's your call. Maybe it's your location. What do you need to put on the altar in order to really say, Lord, I surrender all? I, I believe, friends, that this is our Abraham moment our moment to really see God move in powerful ways as we surrender to him. I pray that this has been helpful to each and every one of us. I pray that it's been convicting, but convicting for transformation's sake, that we all might grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus than we've ever gone before. I pray all of this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.